battling our way through transport chaos. Welcome to Underpod. I'm Sam Kelly. We are sitting in my living room in San Telmo, recording. Uh, I'm joined here, flanked on my left-hand side for the first time in three weeks, I think it is, um, by English Dan. He's back. Good evening, Sam. The political son returns. Welcome back. Uh, And on the other side, uh, my right-hand man, as it were, uh, this week is Joel Richards. Welcome back again, Joel. Thank you very much. A bit of of an epic trip to get here, I'm afraid. Yeah. Heavily delayed. Uh, recording, but um, it's part and parcel of, of living here, isn't it? Well, you got to take the the good times with the bad, you know. Indeed, the rough with the smooth yeah. and the uh, the traffic jam with the so The delay was about the same as, as after I went to the cinema, and we recorded the service a couple of weeks ago, which took a lot longer to get out of the cinema than we were expecting. Um, <laughs> That's true. So you're going to go to the cinema before recording. You're playing with fire. <laughs> well, yeah. so it's not the kind of preparation I put no, in no, no. when it comes to handapod. I mean, Joel was studying, studying. He had that. I was, was memorising the table. Yes, yeah. But when a new Bond film is available on IMAX for thirty pesos, you've got to. You know, get your priorities straight. Maybe. Clearly, Maybe. the priority is on the IMAX for 30 pesos. Um, I would say that we don't have much to talk about this week, except that we we kind of do. Um, so I'm not going to, as, as every week on Hand the Pod. Um, do we jump straight in with the really big pressing issue of the day, or, or do we recap the weekend first of oh, all? Geez, and then geez. Geez. Is this chronologically? <laughs> this is the question. Um, we may as well, because I think most people are going to be eager to hear about it. Uh, and when I say right. most people, I of course mean River Plate fans um, and possibly Oxford United fans. Um, <coughs> Matias Almeida at, ooh, what was it, half past midnight? Was it yesterday? It was about 12 yeah, yeah. It wasn't last night, was it? It was the night before. No, it was the night before. Yeah. Yeah. So half, Tuesday, half, half past yeah. midnight on Tuesday morning, in inverted commas, or Tuesday night. Sorry, it's Thursday today, isn't it? I'm thinking yes. it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Half past midnight on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, um, uh, Matias Almeida apparently received a phone call um, firing him from, from the charge of River Plate. Uh, uh, Daniel Passarella, the River Plate president, has since denied making that phone call. Joel, you've got your hand up. Please yeah, hand up first because Dan also has his hand up. No, just uh, he didn't. He wasn't called. They called the fitness coach, Prophet Cohen. <laughs> This, this is what we, we were just talking in. a couple of weeks ago about how important the fitness coaches are here, aren't they, with the, the name well, on the television when they flash the light Exactly, up. exactly. And uh, the vice president, Diego Tornes, said that they couldn't get through to Almeida, which is why they ended up leaving the message with the fitness coach. <laughs> but the point is, they didn't, ask, they didn't speak to Almeida mm. what? On the, at, in that night. They, yeah, they well, set up so the meeting the following day to then obviously discuss it. Um, Daniel Passarella yesterday actually denied having ever made the phone call at that time anyway kind of saying what kind of idiot do you think I am that I think I'm going to be able to get hold of somebody at half past twelve and clearly this this suggests that he was exactly that kind of idiot yeah the the version I heard actually was that the phone call at 12.30 was actually from a journalist in Oli who rang Almeida and Almeida basically picked up the phone and said no sorry I'm you know because obviously this journalist 
must have heard some sort of rumour that Ahmed was on his way out. Ahmed basically picked up the phone and said, no, sorry, I'm not the river coach anymore. Bye-bye. And I put down the phone again. Oh. And that's where it came from the phone. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, lots of versions then. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it was a late phone. Intrigue. It was. It, it, was uh, it was going around Twitter by about one o'clock, because that was when I, I saw it. Um... And so Almeida's not the manager. There was a lot of talk about whether he would be allowed one more home match to say goodbye to, to Rivers fans, because of course River play at home this weekend at Hope to Lanus on Sunday afternoon. Um, it was decided eventually that, that it, it wasn't, that, that a, an interim manager is going to be taking charge. Um, the manager of Rivers' reserve team, whose name I've now forgotten, and I've closed that out and I have it up as well. Sepata. Thank you, Joel. This you is where the research comes in. This is why Joel doesn't go to the cinema before. This is why I don't, I don't you know, waste my time with, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. popular culture. Pop, popcorn it's cool. and yeah. anything remotely <laughs> 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 removed from... No, um, no I don't remember his first name. Super, uh, but his surname is Zapata. Um, he's going to be in charge on Sunday, um, but the, the next manager um, is already going to be in the Monumental watching the match. Uh, is quite possibly, I think, going to lead the team onto the field. Um, he's something of a club favourite. One or two of you may know his name, as I hinted earlier. If you are an Oxford United fan, you've probably already guessed who it is. Um, it's Ramon Angel Diaz, um, the most successful manager in River Plate's history. He's back for his third spell in charge of the club. I can't say I'm particularly overjoyed about this. There were other names being banded around that I'd rather have had. Um, Such as? Such as Gareca, although it's completely unrealistic to get him, but I, w- I would have been overjoyed at him. Um, possibly even Marcelo Gachardo ahead of, of uh, Diaz, although he's a new, very new manager. He's been successful so far in Uruguay, but uh, uh, admittedly, institutionally, River is, is a step up even from yeah. a club like Nacional or Peñarol, who are admittedly giants. He, he was, uh, for those who aren't aware, he won the Uruguayan Championship in charge of Nacional last year now, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That long ago, blimey. Um, and yeah, I think he might need a, a little bit more experience before he's he's got the urge to, to tackle a club um, with as many institutional problems as River. Of course, that didn't stop Almeida from trying. Um, well, I think what I'd like to say is it's an extremely, extremely harsh sacking for hmm. how it's come. And Almeida's the the longest lasting of any of the managers under Passarella's presidency. Yeah. Uh, he's been in charge for a season and well, nearly a season and a half. Um, he's lost six matches out of sorry nine matches out of sixty. Um, yeah, he took them to the final exactly. of the Copa Argentina. Like, yeah, took them up. Nice set. Final semi-final. That's it. Yeah, only went out that on penalties. He, he took them up um, under okay in the second division where, where the standard was was not what it is what what River are facing this season. But the pressure was absolutely enormous that yeah. season, and, and he managed to do it. And um, this year as well. It looks like it, yeah, this year as well. You know, this is their first season back and. It's not been easy, they've been unlucky with injuries, there's been, you know, obviously the constant talk about the riff with Passarela, the riff with players, and that doesn't help, but even, you know, with all, all things considered, River uh, at the moment on 23 points, with two to play, that, you know, they could pick up 29 for the first half of the season, and they should pick up at least 25, which is kind of the target, they say, to uh, newly promoted teams who want to kind of consolidate the position, they're not in the, rele- the relegation zone. It just doesn't make any sense to me to to sack him two game with two games left of the season. That's that's the thing, isn't it? With just that's two games yeah. to go, there's a very difficult game coming up against Lanús, um, and it's and it's just strange why why the timing. I don't think there's any doubt that River haven't haven't found their way in the first division. 
But then by the same token, everyone expected them to, to come straight up, and because yeah. it's River Plate and there was an oh, well, they're now going to win the first division. It was never going to no. be likely. It was a huge step up from the second division, uh, despite it being very competitive last year in the second division. And, I mean, the thing I, I feel about this is that it's a little bit harsh, but by the same token, uh, I just wonder why Almeida stayed on. Because, I mean, it was, it was so intense last season in the second division. And, and just the images that we've all seen in the, over the last day or so now of him, you know, in tears on the day oh, he was like promoted. Shit. I mean, he's just absolutely exhausted. I mean, he had to deal with so much... And then when the quality of player that obviously he would have wanted didn't come, no. mm. uh, you know, in the transfer window before this season, I, just, I wonder why he didn't he didn't go then. But um, but he stayed and you know fair play to him. I think he's you know I don't think anyone everyone's turned on him you know because everyone said at oh, first oh he's brilliant that he's 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 uh, he's taken on the club at this difficult time and he's going to help the club. He took him up. I mean imagine if they hadn't gone up. I mean <laughs> uh, so he took he took them up and as I said he hasn't really found the way, but. I don't think anyone can ever forget um, what he did, and the fact that he said I think his, his points uh, total points one is kind of about around the sixty percent, sixty sixty five percent, which is, which is which pretty is, good. Yeah, they compared it with the other river coaches under Passarella, and something like Kappa picked up fifty, I think. You know, the, the teams tend to set a, a target when they're newly promoted for 25 points per half season. They'll, they'll say 50 points for the, the season as a whole. Um, tends to, to keep you in the division in Argentina's system, obviously, with, with the points averages. It may or may not work out that way. But by and large, that, that's a good average to aim for. 50 points a season will keep you up. Of course, this being River Plate, and as, as Joel's already said, they were expected to win the title when they came back up, even though it was clearly not going to happen. Um, that target was, was revised upwards to... 30, 30 points yeah. for the Torneo Inicial. Which sort of um, recognises a benchmark for a good season. Exactly. You, know, yeah. you finish with 30 exactly. points, you've had a good season. Just survival isn't good enough, even though survival was the only thing that mattered for River this season to anybody looking at it even vaguely sensibly. And the the reason it's happened this week in particular, I guess, with, with two games still to go, does seem stupid, but was that they drew with Independiente on Saturday afternoon in one of the Clásicos, um, and that draw meant that it was impossible mathematically for Ribbon to finish on 30 or more points. They, the most they can now finish on if they win their two games so in hand. Do you think that's the reason? Because it seems very, it seems very arbitrary point. for me. I mean, I, I agree, but it, it seems to be the tipping yeah. point. It was, it was so focused on, we can still get to 30, we can still get to 30. just happens to happen after, you know, after the yeah. one match. In which it becomes apparent they're not going to reach 30 points. And that was the game I didn't. I can't say I saw it. I was watching the other game in the league which kicked off at the same time, but didn't they, they, threw, they threw it away, right? Mm. Is what I heard, yeah. Well, I didn't say they threw it away so much. They, um, uh, they went 1 0 down fairly early on. Um, they got a very fortuitous equaliser right before half time via Leandro Gonzalez Pires, I think it was. Botinelli. Jonathan Botinelli, of course, uh, with a, a header from, from a free kick. Which they didn't deserve at all. They took the lead through Carlos Sanchez uh, after about an hour, was it? Mm-hmm. Roughly about half an hour to go. Um, very well taken goal, but I mean, a lead that. They were, they were better in the second half, but I'd still say they didn't really deserve the lead over the match as a whole. Um, 
and then in the Pinante got a, got a, an equaliser, which on the balance of play was completely deserved. You know, it was the least in the Pinante deserved. It was a pretty good game, actually. I mean, the quality wasn't quite there, but in terms of end-to-end stuff, lo- loads loads of chances. But um, but I think that was the problem, really. The, it's, it's a big game. I mean, don't forget it's, uh, it's a classico within the Pinante, of course, and 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 just. River was so open at the back and I think this is the mm. problem that after people saying well sort of Almeida's now been in charge for a long time and, and there's not it's not that they're not performing it's just that there's still not a clear idea of what he wants to do I mean he's always been quite attacking his, his substitutions have always been very attacking um, he's not always but, defenders on the bench as we mentioned <laughs> well exactly no exactly that's exactly it so I mean um, but but said he hasn't. It doesn't seem like there's been a systematic you know, building towards yeah. a certain type of play he's changed tactically uh, an awful lot and, and I think that's what it is as well. And it's like, right, we're not going to hit 30 points. Team's not going anywhere. Um, but as you said, it's it's. I mean, the timing is, is is strange to say the very least. And it's kind of underlined as well. But you know, Rivers' record isn't, as Dan said, by no means disastrous. The, the problem isn't even that they've lost too many. They've lost four matches. Took one of the top Bele- scorers. Bele- in, Sarsfield, in who can team. win the league this season, have lost four matches. Hmm. The problem for River is that they've won five. So Bellis is 11. And River have, have drawn eight, but it's a drawn two. And the reason I'm mentioning them have been drawing from winning positions. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. but the reason I'm mentioning them in um, in relation to Mellis, apart from the fact that they both lost the same number of games, um, is that those are the two top scoring teams in the league, as you've just mentioned. Mellis have got 26 goals from 17 games. River have got 25. Um, uh, River's defence have conceded 16, which is the. I mean, even that's not not only means the worst, but. It's kind of mid-table, you know. It's I think they're something like the seventh, eighth, eighth best. They've just not got enough uh, uh, discipline, uh, particularly at the back. Uh, that's Almeida's weak point. Is yeah, Diaz going to come in and sort that out? We, we should now move the discussion on. Yeah, I'd like to hear the debate between you two. Just sit back and hear because I know you Sam has been saying all day how Diaz is not the man, and Joe appears. Ramon Diaz's last two jobs sorry I'm just uh, playing footsie under the table Ramon Diaz's last two jobs um, in Argentina have been just remind me San Lorenzo and Independiente right? yeah correct where are San Lorenzo and Independiente in the promedio now? oh no 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 I'm not there you have this he's, right. he's this, been this, in charge this, this is the Kappa both, line as both well both of those during the last that's exactly the same argument they do about Kappa they said oh well, hang on Kappa coached Gimnasia and River and they all went down so it's got nothing to do with one coach you can't, you can't lay that one on Ramon Diaz. But he wasn't good for either of those clubs. It's his no, I'd agree with no, Sam. No, right. yeah, yeah, no, sure, sure. I mean, I, I agree. They got rid of him yeah, yeah. You know, for a reason, and then new guys have come in since then. In Independiente's case, a few new guys have come in since then and failed to, to do anything um, at yeah. all with the club's form, and that's really why they're in trouble. But Diaz didn't do well at all for either of those sides. Obviously, River is another matter. Ramon Diaz and River, it, it's... Uh, well, that, that's what I mean. We were talking about just before recording, weren't we? And that's, that's what I would say to that, which is that, sure, uh, Ramon Diaz hasn't um, set the world alight with, with his... I mean, well, first of all, he did do very well with, the, with San Lorenzo in his first spell at San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. His first uh, spell, yeah. He won the title and what have you. But that said, he had a very good side. And this is often a criticism of, of Ramon Diaz, that he always needs... People say he's always required, you know, great players. But I mean, to be honest, there's not there are very few champions that haven't had, you know, one this or two great players. I mean, it's just it's part and parcel of the success. So, um, and this is the thing that the Ramon Diaz at River Plate is is a totally different ball game from Ramon Diaz at Independiente or, or San Lorenzo. As you said, Sam, he's the most successful coach of all time. Uh, he was a great player for the club as well. Um, I mean, he you know he won Copa Libertadores. 
uh, and took them to the you know, obviously by virtue of that the, the World Club final the Intercontinental final with, with Juventus which they lost um, very narrowly and everyone has always wanted Real Madrid to come back and it's been a constant uh, demand from the, from the supporters and and so this is as much a, a political thing as anything it's Pasarela saying you know realises that if he doesn't bring in uh, Ramon Diaz, if he employs anyone else as coach at this point in time, uh, and and things don't go, you know, basically don't win the title, and, and yeah. then it's all over. It really is. And the other the other advantage, I guess, from this point of view, is that everybody knows that this isn't Passarella's choice. So to some extent, if he employs if he employs Diaz and it starts to go wrong, he can then say, "Well, I never wanted him. I gave it. I, I gave him to you because you guys were asking for him to the fans." Absolutely. Um, and he comes out of it. Doesn't even particularly strong, though, does it? If he no, sure. But, but no, so him it's win-win. Though. For Pasarela, it's win-win. Yeah. Because if they do well, well, look, I brought Ramon back, you know, and yeah. and everyone knows I don't get on with him, but I still brought him back despite that. And if it doesn't, it's like, well, hang on, this is the guy everyone wanted. I did, you know, yeah. I've listened he to him. He can hang him out to dry. So and, and Pasarela as well. I think probably if he's if he's got any brains, he knows he's not going to be re-elected as a president anyway. Whatever happens, well, is, is it next year in the election? It, we're a year away from club elections, and and this is definitely has to be read as. As, as part of that, um, the campaigning is already going going ahead. There's if you if, you, if anyone's in, in Buenos Aires or is coming to visit, you'll see that there are already and I said 13 months away from the elections at River Plate, there are already billboards for with presidential candidates. There are already like three or four who've, who've got well, big billboards in Buenos Aires. Before you arrived, we were watching one of them being interviewed on on the, yeah. the fine channel. It is Cronica TV. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, you're right. That was meant to say. So it was so poorly lit that it looked like Chronica, and we've got Chronica on now. Um, but it was. It was meant to say. Um, but yeah, interviewing Caselli mm. about uh, the, the appointment and about all the rest of it. Yeah. So um, it's um, so, so. This is the thing. It has to be. Uh, there's a certain element which this is a political movement as well. But um, but it's going to be fascinating to see how Ramon Diaz does. I mean, I think he won't have taken over without. Guarantee that they'll bring in a certain couple of players. No, this is always his his requirements. Exactly. It? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if River do manage to sort of repatriate. I mean, I saw today D'Alessandro and Damichelis have been mentioned. That would be wonders for the club's finances, wouldn't it? <laughs> but they're, well, they're already in debt. I mean, this is the thing. It's it's, like, it's, well, it's neither here nor there. It's neither here nor there. Yeah, it's another million. Yeah, but if all right, supporters though, the whole Pasarela thing has been it's been an economic championship that they're winning, right? Which clearly they haven't. So you can be in more debt, but if they win the title, that's all fans care about. Mm. Afterwards, they say, oh, well, we're in debt, well, sure, that's a problem. But the thing is, if you don't win the title and you're in debt, they say, well, hang on, we're not doing anything here. Mm. So if you win the title, that's all River Plate care about. 34th league title, you know, we're back on track, we're, you know, forget about the year in the second division, we're, we're there. So, you know, I don't, I don't think Demichelis is very possible. I mean, if he's at Malaga, Malaga's doing brilliantly. Yeah. Um, it's still same with Saviola, I guess. Like, Saviola's the same. Before Apparently, D'Alessandro's kind of a bit more a possibility. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see who does. The other un- thing, of course, is that with Diaz in charge, that makes a lot of his former players perhaps slightly more likely to come back because they love him. It's, mm. you know, yeah. Well, whilst, as I say, I, I could be much happier about this um, appointment. I can't see ways in which it could turn out to be something other than an absolute disaster. <laughs> what, what would be a disaster to you? Well, the, obviously the the biggest disaster is that it is still possible that River could go on a dreadful run of form and, and end up going down. Um, I, I can't see it happening, but you know it wouldn't be surprising. Although I, I don't think Diaz is that bad a manager as to no, no. to get him. And the other the other reason that I, I don't think it will happen under him is that because of the enormous popularity that he has with the fans, that's going to take some of the pressure off. If they have a couple of bad results. 
if it's anybody else there's pressure being heaped on the manager Diaz might just have another couple of games after that before they start you know, the atmosphere really. this weekend at Lennox is going to be totally totally different yeah. and and that's purely because of, the, because, because of this and it's something as I said they've wanted Ramon back at the club for ages uh, they wanted him you know, before relegation they wanted him in the second division they wanted him, in the, wanted him back now and, and now they've got him it's going to be totally different you know, because beforehand they've been singing against the team, they've been singing against Passerelli, they've been singing against Almeida, um, and and now it's all you know, it's the big fanfare. You know, the the, the greatest coach in, in in the club's history is back, and it's going to be really fascinating to see how, how it all turns out. And the home games as well, after after an idol returns, um, are always really emotional. It's always a, a good show and stuff. I mean, the, the first ever match that I attended um, in Argentina was the first game of the 2003 Torneo Apertura which was Marcelo Salas' comeback um, and it was just you know the, the flags in the in the stand saying thank you for returning and, and all the rest of it it's, it's incredible shot so it's going to be really interesting to to see I kind of wish I could get up there to be honest on Sunday I'm not going to be able to because yeah. um, it's a river home game <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to if I'm getting or not, but I mean it's no. So I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's going to it is a definite point of inflection for for uh, River Plate, and it'd be fascinating. I mean, you know, already there'll be they'll, the press will put them as favourites for the for next year's title for the um, for the final the final the twenty third the, the very next yeah it's oh, yeah of course absolutely. Interesting. Well, we'll see what that happens. I'm not saying they are. I'm saying that. No, no, they're, they're yeah. And if they if they get two good signings, if they get a playmaker, they're only allowed to sign two players. Of course, it's something that will. Uh, and what if Bianchi goes back to Boca? Oh, <laughs> they'll become the favourites. Amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Throw on Diaz and River and Carlos. Yeah. The next superclassico will be Ramza. Yeah. Off the off the hook. Um, the other thing that we should mention is although Lanús at home is a very uh, tough fixture Lanús effectively are going to go into that match uh, for reasons that we'll get into uh, in a little while probably having to win that game to stay in the championship race um, yeah. Vélez are, are two points clear and um, are playing Union <laughs> so, they're playing at the same time aren't they? yes they will uh, and essentially if Vélez win against Union and Lanús don't win against River Vélez are champions um, yeah. on Sunday um, but then the other although River have got a very tough opposition this weekend they're finishing off with a trip to San Juan um, could be much worse you know that as, as Ramon's first match in charge as well as we say the, the interim manager is going to be in charge for this Sunday um, it's a relatively kind introduction I would say some I think have improved a lot since the early days of the season but they've had a bit of a, a slump again in the last few weeks I think they're about four without a win now um, so it could be a lot worse from, from that point of view um, we mentioned while we were discussing Matias Almeida's um, sacking that River got a 2-2 draw with Independiente where does that leave Independiente now gents let's move on to the other clubs in the I believe the well they're still in the relegation zone massively yeah. massively so they're sinking because they played they really match are, since they really are sinking oh, did they lose against Bogdan? they lost they, they played the second half of the match against Belgrano um, <coughs> listeners who were listening to the episode two we- uh, to our birthday episode uh, two weeks ago with, with Sebastian Garcia that wasn't my birthday as well well it was yeah. 15th it came out yeah. oh, happy birthday um, <laughs> delayed uh, but yeah listen, listeners who were listening to that will, will remember that whilst we were answering the Q&A's um, with Independiente Belgrano being played the second half was about to start and it got called off and we discussed this in last week's podcast uh, in a little more detail the, the crowd trouble there at the Colón derby the following weekend uh, the, the Santa Fe derby the following weekend I apologise to Union supporters um, and so the second half of that match between Independiente and Belgrano was played 
as we record last night, Wednesday evening. Um, Belgrano were leading 1 0 and they hung on for a 2 1 uh, win. Was the uh, I think so. I didn't realise it was being televised, so I only caught the last 15 minutes of it. And that's that's how it's going in the Stadium because it's so quiet, you know. So harsh. <laughs> Would you like to take the opportunity to explain to, to English speaking listeners uh, what one of Independiente's nicknames, Indesingente, means? Indesingente is basically you know, a pun calling them you know, without people. It's not a particularly clever pun. It works better in Spanish. It just rhymes with Independiente. Independiente. But yeah, that leaves them in the relegation zone. Um, They've got just over... Well, actually, they've got fairly comfortably over a point per game, but they're a long way now behind San Lorenzo. Um, They do still have a match in hand, of course, because the Tigre game from round 12 got called off due to heavy rain. That that never kicked off, so they still want to play that at some... Maybe that's going to be in February. Yeah, probably when when T Ground involved in the Copa Sudamericana anymore. Um, We're going to have to take it. Sure, well. Well, yeah. Um, So, yeah, San Lorenzo have a a cushion now of eight points over Independiente. Wow. San Lorenzo and happy. San Lorenzo are really picking up I mean like yeah. I said it, just, yeah. it looks really bad for Independiente. Um, yeah. They San Lorenzo themselves while well, we wait for the dog to stop yapping. Here we go. We'll try now. San Lor- <laughs> <laughs> that had to happen, didn't it? Yeah. Um, San Lorenzo themselves beat Argentinos Juniors 2-1. I was at that game. Um, a very deft lob from that deftest and most subtle of players, the strike attack, Denis Stracuadorsi. Um, it's five in the last four, isn't it, from him? Yeah. He's yeah. on fire. Yeah. On fire. Um, so Everton fans, if you're if you're wondering and, and hoping for news that will allow you to feel good about the fact that your club didn't pick him up on a permanent deal, I'm afraid we can't give you any. He's, he's playing like a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> to to give San Lorenzo the, the lead one 0 fairly early on, and uh, Julio Buffarini, um, who I know that Joel has a, a fairly strong opinion about the personality of, if not the, the ability. No, so we'll ask him to share it in a second. Um, Scored, scored the second for San Lorenzo to put them 2 0 up after a mm. shocking defensive error from Argentinos. Argentinos were dreadful in the first half to the extent where um, at half time, when the, the teams left the pitch with Argentinos trailing 2 0, everybody in the stand <coughs> that we were sitting in was getting up and chanting Shura out, Shura out. Already? Gabriel Shura's second one match in charge, oh, first home game. That's disgraceful. Um, Sorry, that's disgraceful. I can't do that. When, when, the, when the chance started up, there was, it was one guy sitting fairly close to us and I thought he was taking the piss um, but then the entire stand just jumped on it and started no I'm sorry I'm not having that I'm there was, there was one, one guy in front of us in the popular section of the, of the side stand um, Argentinos popular kind of runs along the side of the pitch as well as behind one goal um, and he tried to start up a chant of Segura out which is yeah. Segura being the Argentinos president who's also an AFA vice president happen, um, so he's perhaps being a little well Potentially brave, but certainly uh, unrealistic in, in his his will. Yeah, sure so. is. I thought it was a bit of a strange one for uh, Argentinos actually, because he was he's quite defensive, he's quite conservative, mm. and, yeah. and and Argentinos have traditionally had sort of slightly more attacking right outlook. Um, mm. But nonetheless, did pretty well at Anus. I mean, he's a good coach, and, and yeah. Yeah, first home game. I mean, it's just it's pathetic. Yes. It was it was something else. Uh, Argentina did improve in the second half. They they managed to claw one goal back, but they still lost two one. Um, and Joel, just tell us your thoughts on, on Mr. Buffarini. He he dyed his hair, and then had I mean he, he was incredible. He, he he played really well. 
Um, no, I, just, I can't believe it. This, this quote after the, the it's, match. It's this superstition business, which uh, you know, I know they're really going for here. And all the many clubs and many uh, coaches and, and players have these these massive superstitions. But it was just um, yeah, he gave some interview where he said that he dyed his hair, and then he scored this goal, and then and then they said now he's going to keep, he's going to dye his, never going to dye his hair, or yeah, let his hair natural colour. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> he, he also made a point of saying he had it dyed for a few matches of last season as well, and that was the, the matches that Summer and sort of picked themselves up in and eventually managed to secure their place in the first division again. And so that's, you know, he's like, it's clearly something to it. You think, mm. no, there's not. <laughs> no, he's, he's not a bad player, you know, he runs a lot and... That's right. Uh, but, yeah. but that's the thing, he just, you know, he, just he stands up because he runs, <laughs> which is good. You know, you need, for that kind of position, sort of wide midfielder, I guess you need a decent engine. But um, I don't know, he, he's been made out, you know, I just, it annoys me because he's he's been made out to be like, he should be called up for the national team and stuff, and he's just nowhere near international quality. The other noteworthy results were mostly because, right, first of all, we'll just finish off with the relegation. Um, Situation: Union and Kilmes are the two sides now in the, in the relegation zone. Kilmes have fallen away a lot. Um, San Martín are hanging just above it, and I think could possibly drop into it this weekend, depending on their result. Um, as I say, they've fallen away as well. Um, but Kilmes lost at home 2-1 to Arsenal on Monday night, and Union got a very spirited 2-2 draw at home to Newell's. Union, of course, uh, went into the last weekend as one of the only two teams in the league still without a league victory this they season. Spirited. They went 2-0 up. I would, I would yeah. say a commanding, a commanding 2-2 yeah. draw, I'd a, say. 2-0 yeah, yeah. half-time lead against yeah. Newell's old boys, I would say, is uh, <laughs> more than giving it a go to, to win. They um, should have picked up really, but yeah, they just really needed to live. Um, Newell's themselves, obviously, have... have Got a couple of issues and have fallen away massively in the last couple of rounds. Um, but we'll get on to the title race. Bruce, I was talking to actually um, Ralph today. He had a very interesting theory on Martina mm. saying that because. Ralph, of course, has seen him at close quarters. Ralph uh, is our friend Paraguay, yes. Ralph, who lives in Asuncion. Um, yeah, so he was saw here for one day, was, one day only, yeah. When he was in charge of the Paraguayan yeah. national team. And he was making the point that, well, we saw how uh, Newells did almost exactly the same thing in the. The Klaus order like started really well, were there or thereabouts in the title and then fell away. And then Ralph made the point, you know, drawing on Paraguay that uh, the Paraguayan team under Martino never scored a goal in, in a knockout game. Because his basically the theory is that uh, Martino's teams are so physical, so hard working, so so direct and stuff that basically they just get to a point where they're exhausted, they can't they can't go on anymore. And that's what apparently happened with Paraguay in the World Cup, the Copa America and then of course, like with Newell's, we've seen them fall away at the end of both seasons, so it might just be that, you know. I think we all know... Uh, it's almost as if Ralph has been listening to the last two episodes of the Pod, isn't it? And we've pretty much said that. Well, I haven't been listening to so, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Is this what you've been saying? Well, almost, yeah. We said something very similar last week. Um, and especially with... Uh, OK, not, not maybe so much with it getting much hotter now, because most of the players are South American and they're used to those conditions. Uh, more so than they would be, say, if they were Northern European, English... Wilting in the heat of the yeah. South African winter in the World Cup. I think all um, the players are South American, right? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Struggling to find out who aren't. You're right, yeah, not most. Well, apart from our rest, I talked about the African players in the, yeah. in the Premier League the other day. Yeah. Indeed, yes. Um, so, the other results. I'm confusing this, I'm facing away from it. 
quite away from the microphone when I, when I read. Um, the other main results in the title race uh, for this, obviously Newell's dropping away with that draw, um, which allows us to point out that Belgrano also failed to, to join the race. They drew 1-1 away to San Martín de San Juan. They didn't go back up with the Independiente win? No. Well, Independiente... Aye, they're a bit further. Buffett. Of course, yes, yeah, sorry. They then beat, as, as you point out, they, they got the three points on the board for Independiente, so mathematically they're still in with the champs, uh, but they're five points off the lead with yeah. two games to go, so yeah, it's not looking go. good for them. Um, then a Sarsfield completely undeserved victory, uh, two nil away to All Boys. All Boys hit the woodwork three times, was it, or something really ridiculous? And then it's got two fairly late goals, um, but that's what champions do, isn't it? Indeed. When, it is. when you're playing badly. Um, That's what they say. And they're very much in contention now because Lanús uh, drew. They cut short. They couldn't find an eighth consecutive win. Um, Nil-nil with Estudiantes. And that leaves us with two rounds to go. Um, going into the final weekend with Belis Sarsfield on 35, Lanús on 33. And everybody else, uh, the nearest challengers are Boca, who beat Racing 3 1. We're going to get on site in a minute. Ah, I know that Dan can't wait to talk about it. I thought we were going to get, it's going to slip under the radar. Boca, Belgrano, and Newells all have 30. Um, Racing can still do it, but they need a bit of a miracle. They're on 29, so they need to win both of their games. So if everybody above them drops points, so they'll lose both of theirs, and then they can force a title playoff. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Racing never do things simply, right? So they'd have oh, to do it that yeah, way if, if they were going to win a title. This is Racing, you know, um, as they say. But yeah, essentially, as, as I already mentioned earlier on, Vélez uh, Southfield this weekend are at home to Union, Lanús away to River Plate. If Lanús don't win and Vélez do, Vélez are champions. Um, I'm kind of half, although I'd much rather see Lanús win the league than Vélez, than just personal preference as much as anything, obviously. I, I kind of want the league to be wrapped up this weekend, partly because it would mean River have got something out of the match against Lanús. And partly because next Monday evening we're going to be recording an episode and then I'm getting on a plane to Europe and it would be much simpler if the title could be wrapped up with all of us here to talk about it rather than, rather than after the final episode of the, of the year. Um, <laughs> it is, and I apologise for it, but when, I booked, when we booked the tickets, the initial was not going to be a championship. It was only after we got the tickets that the AFA changed it and decided the AFA were going to award it. I was say, so short So naive. Oh, no. Just so naive. Yeah, too, too trusting by her. Yeah. That's my problem. Um, but, so, Dennis Southfield, Lanus, who's going to win the league? Gents, this, is it going to be decided this weekend? It's hard to look past Vélez. Like, I don't know necessarily if it would be this weekend, but it's most likely it's going to be Vélez, I think. What would be interesting is if Union could somehow win a point and mm. Lanus could beat River that would yeah, be maybe, like, yeah. level on points going mm. into that two games after the season the titles there or thereabouts like nerves do come into play like it's you know Vela's always been there or thereabouts I think they fought I saw the other day seven of the last eight uh, titles yeah. but you know this is not the same Vela's team say no. of a year ago who won or three years ago who won like you know there's been a big rotation of players there's yeah. some new faces who might Necessarily not of face the same the same side. Kind of yeah, and there are two things about Lanús, which is like I say very quickly. Firstly, it's done an amazing run of form. Yeah. And I mean, they won the league what 2007, but you know since then obviously they haven't. And and so I mean, it's it's there's a massive um, there's a, there's a great morale there in, at the club. And the other thing is that this weekend it's the it's not just Lanús at River. It's Guillermo Barrosquelotto, Boca legend, one of the all-time Boca legend, most amount of. Uh, trophies for any one player. I think it's I think second after Bataglia. Um, 
but you know the kind of player you know relish the games against River Plate so there's that element of it as well and that, that's not to be underplayed I think that's going to be quite I mean they're going to be talking about that you know, certainly the day before and on the day uh, so, so that'll be interesting as well but as I said for Barascolotto like, to stay in the title race in his first season as a coach by winning at River Plate I mean it's just a pretty, pretty big motivation yeah. for to him stay in contention well. for the pocket managerial job <laughs> right <laughs> that's, that's yeah. the really important thing about all of this of course um, as, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago um <laughs> something else I was going to say as well what was it of course uh, Ricardo Gareca we mentioned him earlier I said that I would have been delighted with him whilst not thinking it was at all realistic that he would become river manager um, but he he's one of these these guys who's been called relatively recently the, the Argentine Alex Ferguson which is this ridiculous phrase that people trot out every time a manager lasts beyond about two seasons at the same <laughs> club here in Argentina um, and the implication of course because they only ever use it for particularly long-lasting and inverted commas managers um, is, is that he's going to go on and, and be in charge of Vélez Sarsfield for 26 years uh, which is highly unrealistic but one way in which he is really this season um, emulating some of Ferguson's most impressive achievements is in recycling that squad and getting them to, to compete he, he's lost key players from a number of positions at Vélez at the start of this year particularly slightly less so during the, the Argentine winter European summer break um, but nobody at the start of the season was saying that Vélez were going to be contenders we actually in our preview mentioned you know, that them and said we're not going to talk about them as contenders because they've got a team of kids we, we, we had our Alan Hansen moment and said you don't win anything with kids and, and it turns out that Ricardo Garica can do um, I'd, so I'd make the point you know uh, you made the comparison with Ferguson of course 26 years compared to 3 or 4 maybe is it's a bit, it's a bit silly, but talking about this kind of recycling the team and going through different cycles uh, has to happen what, more quickly. Here, yeah, exactly. What Gareca done in a way is even more impressive because uh, this cycle in United might last I don't know, five, six years, seven years with the same team. In Argentina, it could be as short as six months. Yeah, twelve months. You know, so just the fact that he's always, you know, every year he's almost had to invent a new team. Obviously, there are some, you know, common components, people that have stayed, but. Still, it's, it's a very good job he's done. Really impressive. Uh, cool, right, let's get back to it. Um, the other really notable result, uh, now that we've, we've finished with licking Mr. Gareca's ass clean um, from the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, you got he was still thinking about the fridge, Faz. I, I, I just did say. Um, English Dan has just made a, a very um, esoteric reference to something that I've just edited out because we had a bit of a break. Um, due to the, the doorbell going off as um, was Boca Juniors in the other classic off from the weekend uh, demolishing humiliating really nah, nah. in La Romanera uh, toy, toying with them um, and one of the things that, that that really came out of it after the game was that the, the press decided that these kids that Boca have got actually can play football um, it was a, a very young midfield they compared them with, with the Barcelona Cantera after Barcelona which is exactly what they've done with the Russian uh, kids after Barcelona, had an, yeah, <laughs> after Barcelona had the entirely uh, La Masia produced starting 11 well not starting 11 but 11 on He's the pitch 11. for what it's just true. over an hour of their match on the weekend um, they <laughs> they compared uh, Guillermo Fernandes Cristian Herbes uh, Leandro Paredes and Lautaro Costa to uh, to La Masia well to be fair uh, very very quickly uh, Boca have signed an, an agreement with, with Barcelona so there is an institutional link there with it um, Boca have taken over Barcelona's 
old academy uh, that they had here and, and so those players that were at the Barcelona Academy have, have been moved on to, to Boca For people who follow Argentine football particularly closely this is um, FC Barcelona Luján Exactly Yeah, sort of right. exactly. That, yeah. yeah well, well that's the thing I mean it didn't it? they just Barcelona were looking to, to shift it on and it went, yeah. went into Boca yeah. players moved over to Boca Barcelona retain a fairly small percentage of, of these players if they get transferred on so Boca have taken on quite a decent youth team setup. It's one. It's very modern. It's you know, it's great facilities, and and but, but Boca have always had a, a brilliant youth team system. Yeah. They've always produced a lot of talent. So I don't think it's too far fetched. I mean, I'm not saying these players. I'm not saying Perez and Edwards and and Paul Fernandez are the next Xavi and Iniesta and what have you. But I'm fa- I'm fairly sure. Certainly Perez, and Paul Fernandez probably Sanchez Mino. Um, Colasso I'm sure they're all going to have very good careers Pochichales um, <laughs> maybe less so <laughs> but, but so you know while it's not fair it, it's, it's total hyperbole of course to, to say to compare them with, with Barcelona but in all fairness it, it's, they're top quality young players I mean so it's hyperbole but it's not hyperbole is what you're it's really not, it's not too far from that um, English Dan as we do every week we have to ask you what you made of Racing's performance this weekend well, did he go to the game I was at the game yeah of course so you were high up in the third third two indeed the yeah way, with vertigo like spinning dizzy all, all that kind of thing like usual but <laughs> and presumably fairly optimistic going there I mean Racing have, was it the last, is it the last two times prior to this one that you've beaten them at the Bombonera or no Boca hadn't beaten Racing in the Bombonera for four years and Racing won there I think it was actually twice in 2010 in the same year because of obviously like the vagaries of the fixture list you can play the same team away in a calendar year indeed yes yeah. so they won twice in 2010 2-1 both times coming coming back from a goal down and so yeah I think not so much because of that but or but as well because uh, Racing had come from two very good results. It was a yeah, 1-0 away win in Cruz followed by a 4-0 uh, thump in the Kilmers, which was a very, very impressive performance. Yeah. And No, I think the key that uh, you could see exactly what Boca came out to do and they had a plan which was executed perfectly and that was basically to target Racing's kids in the first 15 minutes uh, kick them out of the game, make them lose their heads, and that's exactly what happened. I think three of the f- three of the Boca back four got booked in the first ten minutes, I think, or right. fifteen minutes. Really, right? All of them, apart from Miskiavi, hmm. who also smashed Centurion in the face with a forearm, forearm, but didn't actually get caught up for it at all. But no, it wasn't. You know, that kind of thing's not pretty. But exactly what they need to do, I think. Especially Centurion completely lost it, and I think at one point he got, you know, fouled. Uh, in quotation marks down by the corner flag but nothing was given and you can see he got straight back up and he was like shouting bellowing in uh, Delfino's face the, the ref and from that moment on he wasn't playing for the team he just wanted to get his own revenge and stuff so, so, so it worked it worked absolutely perfectly and then the goals I think the first one the first block of goal was, uh, was a header from Caruso uh, very poor marking I think Saka wasn't quite expecting it and it was, kind of, it was from a long way away and it just sort of arrowed in bounced off the post and went in it was bizarre and then two very well taken goals from this guy Paredes who we were just talking to talking about wish we could talk to him that's something to say and then yeah second half uh, Racing sort of came into it because yeah first half they were they were pretty outmatched 
and got one back through Alchir, then hit the post with about seven minutes left. If that went in, it would have been a very interesting end to the match because it was incredible. You know, three 0 the the Boca fans were pretty happy, gloating, and then three one, even just three one, not you know one goal in it within three one, and the stadium went quiet as a mouse. It was it was quite in, quite incredible. But no, I think you know that game for Racing basically means that they say goodbye to the title race. They had a mathematical chance anyway of of being in with a shout for the last of the season. Now they're six points behind Vélez with six points to play, and you got to say it's not going to happen. And but I think for that game at least it was a poor performance. But Racing seemed to be on the right track. There's there's a lot of positives you can take from this season. And they've scored again. It was a decent run of scoring. Yeah, I mean, um, and up to this game as well, you know, you can take the positives. The defence, which was the best in the, was the best in the league, it might still be now, but I'm not sure. I'm sorry, I wanted to bring it up on. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but it was yeah, it Third was best, the best yeah, because yeah, it was seven. Well, joint, joint second best in personal with yours now. There you go. So yeah, no, it's a, it was a shame, you know. It's horrible to lose to Boca in any circumstance, but. You couldn't really argue with the result. Boca played their played their plan perfectly, and and yeah, took a deserved win. Absolutely. The other team that we should mention, uh, the 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 other notable result, really notable result of the weekend, was Tigres two 0 win at home to Godoy Cruz. Um, partly because the second goal just off the hook, really. Um, have you not seen it, Joe? No, I didn't. Oh, you're in for a treat. We'll show it to you when we finish recording. No. Um, did you see it now? No, you can check to me as well. Oh, well, okay. I might just draw this up now and uh, record the reactions of the two of you when you see it from young uh, Ro- Rodrigo, is it? Rodrigo Botta? Yes. Or Ricardo? Rodrigo. Rodrigo Botta, who picks up the ball inside his own half from a, a cleared corner kick um, and ran it down the left and then cut in and beat two men. Don't ruin it for a Smashed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magnificent goal. I'm going to look it up very quickly now. Uh, you're going to hear the, the audio reaction now for, for Dan and Joel seeing this for the first time. And uh, before they do, I'm just going to point out that by the time this video clip starts, he's already run about 20, 30 yards with the ball. I mean, to be not past anybody, but at, at fairly high pace. Here we go. He's the other Yeah. Yep. It's not, it's Ruben, isn't it? Uh, Ruben, right, yeah, we got there in the end. Um, and that is also about the, obviously for listeners, we apologise that you couldn't see that. I might, I might stick it on the, the blog post on, on handofpod.wordpress.com. Um, we apologise you couldn't see it, but that's about the, I mean, third or fourth. Uh, th- third, I think, goal he's, he's scored this season. He's got a couple of the Coppers in Americana as well, and they're both brilliant as well. He's a really good little player, he hasn't, but he hasn't really been uh, first choice in the team, has he, for, for quite some time? No, he got loaned out, he's 22. Which is a bit older than I thought he was. Um, But he he was loaned out for a a season somewhere. Um, Debuted for for Tigre a year and a half ago. Um, And and did well. This is is a precision that people (laughs) come to love from hand to play. Thank you very much. They don't need to go anywhere else. All the information right here. It's Rodrigo or Ruben or or Ramon or Ron. He will play somewhere. But he's, he, he, he's doing really well this season. And the Copa Sudamericana as well, as we've mentioned, Tigre seem to be 
take it more seriously than the league or for whatever reason um, the reason I mentioned Tigre in particular A that's their first league win of the season amazingly in the 17th round in spite of the fact that I think in all of the first 16 rounds we were discussing how unfortunate they were not to have won um, it's not as if they deserved to lose every single match they just well they've not lost every single match in fact um, it still makes sense for them to, to at this point at least go for the sort of any kind of because obviously they're not going to be doing anything in the league and at least in the initial and, but at the same time they're not they've not got any particular worries about relegation and that kind of thing so. given a year and a half and after this time in Initial they might have the, well, we only they're, they're going to finish with very few points well we only think in short term here in Argentina exactly. so it's absolutely fine but and in Americana uh, we it's currently 25 past 8 so in uh, well 50 minutes time Tigre are going to be kicking off in Colombia um, against Misionarios uh, one of one of our Fred Oli Stefanos former clubs among many other um, players um, in their first ever semi-final well first ever semi-final second leg I suppose because they've already played the first leg last week <laughs> <laughs> and a score draw the first the first uh, leg finish nil-nil so a score draw or obviously a Tigre win will be enough to carry Tigre through to their first ever continental final and, yeah. Yeah, it would be they're great. already in the Libertadores as well having been the last Argentine team standing in the Sudamericana mm-hmm. um but if so, if they win, if they win their Sudamericana, does that mean that this position about the best place finishing team goes to the next best? Because doesn't the Sudamericana winner get a place in the Samurai? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so that yeah would they've mean, already got a place in the Libertadores. Would that put Independiente yeah. in, or oh, would it put the team? I think it would. Actually, actually no, that would be the qualification table going in, maybe. In, in the year round table for Argentina. I think this is a, a situation, it sounds like a situation again where Tigre have defied all odds and it means that basically they have to make a last minute decision because I don't think yeah. that they've legislated for that. They sound no. like I don't think they've legisl- or the Alpha just haven't thought about it. No, exactly. Yeah, well, I'm trying to remember if. There must yeah. be a form, it must be. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Because I'm trying to remember if like the Sudamericana winners get another places in the country where they're from, get another place from Connebol, or if it's just kind of they get one of the places within the allocation. Mm-hmm. If it's one of the places with near location, you think that they just have the same place. As well, we say, technically they're still all, the all of the most precise answers to the question yeah. that matter yeah. right here on Handapop. <laughs> technically, they're still the Argentine side that's gone furthest. Exactly, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the thing. So maybe it's just that. Yeah. Let's go. That sounds good. <laughs> when we know, you will know, dear listeners. Um, so you right now. Of course, right beating Michon Arios away or even getting a score draw against Michon Arios away is going to be a tall order, so we might never find out, unfortunately. Um, but Sao come in. We shall see. We shall see. Stranger things have happened, mm-hmm. such as Tigre's bizarre winless run while reaching the semi-finals in the first place. Um, Anything about Tigre in 2012 is just <laughs> pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm now going to play some music, and when we come back, we're going to answer a few of your listeners' questions. Um, so don't go anywhere. First questions were sent in a few days ago from Leo Leo Russomano, um, who I think perfectly reasonably assumed that we were going to be recording at roughly the normal time uh, during the week. The recording was delayed for various reasons this week. Um, He's got a couple. His first is, who are your favourite Argentine football play-by-play announcers? 
favourite or least favourite, I think, is the question to ask. Uh, Victor Hugo is fantastic. Well, yeah, ra- the radio ones are good. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and with that, in terms of somebody personally, somebody who crosses both, who does a bit of both. So Mariano Kloss is is good. Yeah, he's yeah, he's top right. class. It is, yeah. and actually, he's, on the radio, is great because he's far more analytical than he is on television. But um, but he, he does Fox. He does uh, La Red. Or I don't know if he's doing La Red anymore. I don't know. He, he did, did some of River Plate's games yeah. last year in the second division yeah. for in football para todos. And I think he did uh, the Selección as well on Pública. That's right. That's yeah. right. But he does he's, he does a lot of the Champions League games. Yeah. Um, he's he's excellent. And I mean, just the ideas. He's very clear. And I mean, his program as well is, is second to none. I mean, he's so opinionated. Um, but he's, he's he's on the money. He really is. Um, but obviously, historically, Victor Hugo Morales. Yeah, I'd have to go for Victor Hugo, the Uruguayan, yeah. whose uh, <laughs> famous commentary on Maradona's two goals against England is, is the <laughs> defining commentary of, uh, yeah. of of anything Argentine football, really. Just anything, ever, really. Um, the reason that I say it's, it's difficult to choose is that we've got one in particular, and I'm, I just want to mention this briefly in passing, Marcelo Araujo, um, who has always had a bit of a reputation for being... Um, not very good, and this year seems to be going very slowly insane, uh, making He's dementia, quacking duck noises in the middle of plays, uh, frequently just going off on one to to feed the government line on something that's got nothing at all to do with the football match. Because clearly been been told to announce it that way, um, and and so on. And it's very very difficult. And there's been a bit of a backlash in the last few weeks. We've seen fans going to matches with signs. Uh, Telling him where to put it, let's say. Um, that's the politest way I can, I can find to, to describe them. But it seems to have been a movement across the stadium in Argentina. People have suddenly gone on with these signs saying, Araujo la concha de tu madre, or Araujo la tenés adentro, we saw in the away in San Lorenzo last week. And there is a, uh, yeah, there is a, a fairly major argument or complaint, isn't it, which he gets a lot of players' names yeah. wrong. Oh, God, yeah. A lot. I mean, yeah. every other player, <laughs> almost. But, but I mean, he's 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 been around for a long time, you know, as as many of them have been, and you know, he he was uh, he was a major part of TC when when they uh, the one of the cable broadcasters that had a lot of the rights for television before Football Para Todos, and uh, and so he's been around a long time. You know, he's he's, he's one of the historically famous uh, you know uh, football commentators. Um, the other question that Leo has is, I think this is kind of in reference to. Um, Bocker, as he puts it, beating Racing like a red-headed stepchild uh, last weekend. <laughs> Jesus. Is, which is, in Argentine football, he says, which is... That's not, that's not broadcastable. Well, no, quite. Um, we'll see whether we get any complaints about it. Um, it is, he asks in, in Argentine football, which is the biggest paternidad, uh, which is Oof. paternity, is, is the phrase that Argentines um, have for the, the head-turn record when one team is beaten another more than they've lost to them uh, it's called paternity I can't give you a, a definite answer I know for a fact that if Seba was here he would tell you that Rivers over Racing it's got to be a River Racing right? in terms of Clasicos I think that yeah. might well be uh, San Lorenzo Boc- over Boca is pretty good San Lorenzo over, well I've, I've brought up a couple of the of the more likely contenders and San Lorenzo have an advantage of 68 to 48 over Boca so that's a 20 game advantage Rivers is over Racing uh, is it's 36, 38 yeah. wow um, they are the daddies. They are the daddies. Although one that I, I noticed it particularly impressive as well was Boca. Um, I think it was Boca. Uh, I've got to bring up the, the menu again now. Over, not, admittedly, not one of the other big five, not a classical, but Boca's advantage over Estudiantes. 98 to 37. 
which considering Estudiantes aren't you know, historically they're not one of the big five but they're not a small club either um, is quite something I, I was not expecting to see that bigger difference um, so those are a couple of the contenders we're afraid we can't give you a more detailed um, answer which I, I think feel slightly guilty about no, people talk about paternity between, between the big clubs right the yeah. grandes yeah, and stuff yeah, or yeah. between the, classical rivals I think the, the more surprising one was that until this weekend just gone all boys had an historic advantage over Vélez head to head Vélez's win nice. has levelled it 7-7 nice. uh, seven, seven with 9 draws <laughs> Um, we've got a couple more questions. Love, love Sarah, no. between them. No, it's, it's kind of a half classic. It was yeah. one of the points oh, I made. Yeah. It's uh, obviously Belis's main rivals. Uh, uh, well, Federal historically, San Lorenzo now in Chicago, and, like, yeah. and all boys Argentinos is their main classic. But the secondary rivalries is kind of each other. Um, Ed Malian asks whether Dan's, Dan's managed to get in touch with his brother to tell him that you're not dead. I did. He knows I'm alive. Good. Glad to hear it. Billy Morrison says uh, he's got a question specifically for Joel. Who's going to win the Argentine Inicial? Yes, good question. Um, I would love to see Lanús just because uh, I think it's the it's great story this season, um, and I don't feel that Vélez have really shone. Mm. Uh, you know, they haven't stood out massively. It's hard to think of one champion moment for exactly, Vélez, exactly. Whereas I think Lanús is if they if they do win the title, it'll be because they finished an amazing run of yeah. straight wins for what it will be a run of nine straight wins, I think. Well, it won't because they're through with us to the Oh, so it's true. Oh, so they did. Sorry, it'll be yeah. ten wins in eleven games. Right, like okay, well, well, that's exactly. It. If, but you, if I do you say they need two wins to win the league, yeah. yeah. But I do think Bellis will win it. I would agree with that. Not that I was being asked the question. Um, it was no, was it? It's not just in your opinion. <laughs> no, really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Um, Connor, aka Mr. D, has got a few Boca-centered questions, as, as he often does for us. Uh, first of all, he says Colasso at left back. What was that? Colasso talked about it afterwards. Uh, it, it was very effective, which is what yeah. it was. He played very well. Nico Colasso played left back against Racing, did very well. Um, and then afterwards said the manager needed to play with her. Yeah. No. Considerably less of a fuss than uh, Sanchez Mignon did. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's interesting that because Gama Lugo, the, the Paraguayan lad, who. Um, is he slip off? I think he's been loaned out. I think he? he's on loan, yeah. Again, maybe a Paraguayan. Amazing, yeah. you know, maybe a Paraguayan information player, yeah. that we're bringing yeah. here. Anyway, he, um, he's a striker. And, mm. and Bicho Borghi put him as a, as a wing back and it was brilliant there mm. like, fantastic mm. so um, that, that was just before he obviously broke his leg which was obviously a big shame for him and, and maybe so it wasn't so good after that well no I mean, obviously yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, no but I mean that, that's what stopped him though that's stopped his progression at, in that position so um, I didn't see Colasso but, um, but I didn't no, he, had a, he had a very good game very good for him yeah. he's, a good, he's a great player uh, his next question is who is Bocca's coach for 2013 interesting question well, I saw the other day yesterday in fact um, they're saying that it's the Falcone's going to stay a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's had a pretty decent finish to the season like that. Could just save him. In terms of potential former Boca managers, I should mention that we've missed one big story this week, which is Martin Palermo. Officially unveiled. Well, I was, but we've got questions now. The only yeah. thing after this is Mystic Sam. Um, Martin Palermo has been officially unveiled as, as Godoy Cruz manager. So mm-hmm. we've mentioned all the way through the season that we'd like to see him. Uh, in management one day and that we'd maybe a couple of us might like to see how he does and uh, sort of think he's got the tools to do a good job but at the same time it could go hilariously wrong well um, I mean the thing I think when you look at Palermo and you look at the amount of goals he scored the career that he had um, he's obviously not uh, he's obviously an intelligent guy yeah. because I mean you know he's, I mean, he, he himself would say and has said 
you know, he was never that gifted in terms of talent, but you know, he worked hard, you know, and he, he worked on every aspect of his game and, and, and the amount of goals he scored is clearly knows his way around the box. If he can so, transmit his work ethic to his players, exactly. he's got a fan, he's, he's going to be a fantastic attacking coach even if he doesn't yeah. quite cut it as a first team manager. And the other thing is that he's he's uh, Gone there in in partnership with uh, Roberto Abondanzieri. So Nelson Ibanez is going to get some good coaching as has got for his goalkeeper. Schiavi's going as well when he finishes the season. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Schiavi's going to be his, his right man. star coaching, why not? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, exactly. It's going to be amazing. Be but, um, but, but the other thing about this is it's gone full circle with Palermo because he was linked with the Godoy Cruz job a year ago when Assad came back to Godoy Cruz. So he's been looking for jobs for ages. He's been linked with obviously the Boca job just because it's Palermo. But he's been linked with the Argentinos Juniors one. Estudiantes was Estudiantes another one. Estudiantes was another one he was named. Obviously, that was a club he was. Born in so. exactly, so it's um, and I, I quite like the idea of him going to uh, a club that's not in Buenos Aires because otherwise he'd be doing yeah, sure. he'd be doing um, uh, interviews every single day. And the media spotlight, I was in Mendoza, admittedly totally during the winter break um, earlier this year, but still picking up the sports pages and, and having a flip through occasionally. The, the media spotlight there is just nowhere near, nowhere near what it is perfect. in Buenos Aires. It's perfect, yeah, and I mean, there's not even a Derby in, in, in Mendoza. Well, some of the. Yeah, no, you're right. That is the Derby. No, of course you're right. And, and actually, no, there were problems there. So I, I'll, I'll take that back immediately. <laughs> but uh, what I was getting at, though, is that um, it's it's out of the spotlight as much as possible. As yeah. m- and as much as Martin Palermo can be out of the spotlight. So uh, I think it's. Of course, there's going to be a lot of interest. There's going to be a yeah, lot of buzz about But if he'd gone to Stuyens or Boca, you know, he'd have a surer moment after two games. Yeah. If it didn't go well. Yeah. So. He also uh, kind of then goes on to ask, has, has Barroso Quiroto earned an offer? Uh, thus reflecting precisely the attitude that I've complained about in the Argentine press with constantly talking about how Barroso Quiroto's working his way into the, the Boca job rather than how he might be about to win a championship for others. Well, I saw today that uh, Barroso Quiroto met with Macri. Poor guy. This afternoon. So I don't know what... I'd, we'll have to... For the benefit of our listeners who might be newer to the podcast, Joel, just explain why that's big. Who is well, it's big because it's uh, it's him going to meet the the mayor of, of Buenos Aires, whose previous job was president of Boca Juniors, and under who Boca Juniors were completely revolutionised and went through the most successful period of any Argentine club ever. Um, Fifteen, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think Independiente in the sixties might have something to say about that. No, it doesn't compare. Well, I'm not sure. No, Libertadores in six years. Yeah, but did they do the intercontinental ones as well? No, they didn't. And did they win the local leagues as well? No, no, no. I mean, no, it's it's comparable. It's comparable. Well, there is that a little bit, but no, you're right. It's comparable. I mean, by a long way, Boca's most successful spell ever. Yeah, Um, I think it's fifteen titles in in ten years. Yeah, Um, and that was largely under Mauricio Macri. So. and he was, he was still a big player at Boca, despite... Um, yeah, I mean, he's, the current Boca president is, is very much Macri's man, as we discussed last year when the Boca presidential elections happened. We mentioned it a few times, yeah. 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 Once or twice it's probably <laughs> come out. Um, he also asked, does Lisandro Lopez earn a move from Arsenal to Boca? To, I presume to replace Schiavi as centre-back. Uh, I think it'd be worth it. I've not heard many whispers about it. Arsenal will not right. sell him to Boca. No, they'll sell him straight to Europe. He's, he's going to Europe or to go nowhere. Yeah. There we go. Um, he then says, outside of Geraldo Martino, are there any future national team coaching candidates in the Primera? Possibly Gareca? Yeah, Gareca's got to be. That, that, that's Connor's suggestion, by the way, not mine. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Zubeldia one day. 
If he I gets a few know. seasons behind him, like. I think there are a number of coaches whose whose careers just don't know how it's going to work out, but yeah, they've got off, are very talented. Yeah. But, and because of what I mean, as you're right, I think Zubel is a really good call. Yeah. Martino, I don't think will ever be Argentinian manager. He hasn't got. I can't see him with that profile. Like it's something. But I surely you'd say that's same like Sabella in terms of that profile, right? More open, honest, kind of. I, I don't, I don't mean. I mean honestly, just in terms of they're very. Yeah. Uh, they lay everything out on the line. They don't kind yeah. of play games with the press or whatever, and don't you know? They basically, they'll answer questions pretty straightforward. Possibly. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. No, that's fair enough. That's yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, who else? I mean, I think one Palermo. Well, no, exactly. I mean, I'm thinking. Perlomo, I mean, Arroba, well, he's not in work at the moment, yeah, but he's. he's, he's yeah. I mean, I think he, he did a brilliant job despite the delay. Someone like Simeone as well. I know he's not coaching here at the moment, but I can see. Yeah, he's kind of on the way. I think mm. to, to being an Argentine, Argentina coach. But Gareca's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty good call. Yeah. Uh, the final one is that Leo, who asked our first couple of questions, has asked me a couple now as well. Um, asking me what my ideal starting 11 for River would be. I'm not sure I can list an 11, but I suppose when everybody's fit, which is a big issue for River at the moment, you'd have well, players who are there at the moment as well. Uh, Barrovero, Mercado, Gonzalez Pires, I've liked a lot this season. Botinelli's moving into the role. Somewhat. Shane Shane left back. Bottinelli, I'm sorry, Stains but after all right, he gave away well, the goal against um, Arsenal. Was it when he just he passed it inside his own yeah, box? Yeah, yeah. Against Independiente, he did that three times. Three times his clearance yeah, didn't didn't get past yeah. the first the striker, independent striker, the, the the player nearest to him went straight to him. I mean, he scored the goal. That's well. Fine. Okay, sorry, you're right. In fact, I would stick... Sorry, so no, no, it's your team. Bottinelli perhaps at full-back could do less damage and River don't have a left-back, so let's stick Bottinelli at left-back and keep him out of the way. And put uh, Petzela at centre-back. I think Gonzalez Pires and Petzela are both enormously promising, very young centre-backs. Funes Mori? Um, no, I might, I might put Ramiro Funes Mori ahead of, um, ahead of Bottinelli for left-back, possibly. He doesn't seem to complain too much about playing there either. Um... Sirigliano, if he ever picks up his form, I think can be fine alongside. I think you're, I think you're the coach though who could bring him out, uh, out yeah, 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 get, get yeah. confident and get yeah. playing against Sam. Oh, that's what I've heard on football managers. Some, <laughs> some, whis- some whispers. Um, Carlos Sanchez, I've really liked in the last few weeks. Yeah, uh, Ariel Rojas, I think, should be given more of a chance. And then Mora. Um, uh, I'm going to surprise both of you now. Don't fall off your chairs, Rogelio Funes Mori, and David Trezeguet up front. Mm-hmm. Um, Tresegay I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to for the moment even though he is struggling to adapt to life in the top flight because he's scored as many goals this season as um, Sebastian Sach indeed he has he's <laughs> asking goalkeeper such, so a, a, such a low blow he's also asking my top so, three lack, future prospects a lack of respect well, well, I'm sorry it's got one of the listen to Bocca's humiliation people are bloody domination. saying like, oh you know Tresegay can't do it but with Palermo they still want him to play I mean come yeah. on this guy's won the World Cup I took the, the piss out of Palermo as well top three top three prospects I presume he means at River as well um, would be actually I'd say the two centre backs <laughs> to be honest as much as nobody's talking about them obviously as much as the the attacking players that's a no place in your team for Lansini exactly man yeah yeah what is well Lansini is the other uh, prospect I've built my team around Sidigliano and Lansini in the middle obviously Lansini much much further forward but those two players are just brilliant they're great players I'd have Mancini as, as Tresegas understudy 
Not because they play the same role, right. of course, because they don't, but because you need to, to mix it up a little. And if, if plan A is not working. Fair enough. Um, but initially, I mean, you, you Ariel, okay, Ariel, <laughs> Ariel Rojas also is, is obviously not the. Um, uh, maybe not going to. And, and I've had a few footnotes and I'm forgetting people. I say that because I'm, I'm absolutely rubbish on it, so that's why I mean, it's, oh, all, just, it's all very tongue in cheek. I've just moved to La Luz after 10 highly successful but, years in Peru. Right, let's, so. let's not go there. But, um, but, <laughs> but, but uh, Lanzini is, um, is, is a strange story, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with. with right, the, I hope, yeah. I really hope. I'm loving to get that. He's, he's top class, man. Um, and, and I, I bow to both of you because as I say I've had a couple of furnaces and I've forgotten <laughs> people's names I've forgotten who River have got in their squad Lanzini would be in my starting eleven, as, as well as being one of the top three prospects Gonzalo Pires Petela and Lanzini for me um, purely because nobody ever talks about young up and coming promising defenders especially at River Plate it's all about the attacking players the enganches the wide players it's an Argentine time problem right? isn't it you look at Otamendi no one talks about Otamendi no. anymore yeah. so well I, I don't know what's happened to him I mean I don't watch much of the Portuguese league and no one ever blames Maradona for potentially ruining Otamendi's international career by taking him to the World Cup and apart, sticking him at apart from back. Otamendi <laughs> well, yeah. he did an amazing interview on Fox he came, he came back um, it was about a year ago I guess yeah. And uh, he came back, and they got him on the on, on the show, and um, and he was he was really angry, man. I mean, he, he didn't come across angry, but he was pretty. You could just tell that he was he was pretty frustrated that yeah. the basically since the World Cup, um, it's now quite a long time ago, yeah. um, and he's played a lot of football since then. And I've seen actually he scored quite a few goals for Porto. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, he's very useful. Su- in suggesting yeah. you know he's he's pretty complete, which is always the centre back we always thought he was going to be, and uh, and he's just. I mean, he doesn't get any, any, any coverage here at all. No, I remember when he signed for Porto right after that World Cup, actually. I have a friend um, who lives in Lisbon. <coughs> he's a, I've mentioned him a couple of times just in passing on here. He's a Benfica season ticket holder. He follows the, the Portuguese league in a lot of depth. And he asked me about him when, when he first signed for Porto. He, he wrote me an email and just said, what's, what's this guy like? I mean, he's, he's not a journalist or anything. He just yeah. wants an opinion. Um, and so I said, he's, he's going to be brilliant. And Steve wrote back to me and said, Are you sure? Because he was shit at the World Cup. And I said, Yes, he was. But he was played completely out of position. Yeah. I mean, you take an 18 year old centre back to the World Cup and then you stick him at right back yeah. or left back, whichever, at full back. It's ridiculous. He was a right back. Right back, yeah. Um, the other you're right, yeah. I'm getting him mixed up with Jonas Gutierrez, who was the other right back who yeah, yeah, took to the World Cup. Um, um, and yeah, absolutely. So Otamendi, I think, is uh, not admittedly a river sensation, but. As you say, nobody talks about position. the centre-backs yeah, when, they, when they're young and up-and-coming. Yeah. Um, and, yes, yeah, so, and I, I think Pires, uh, Pires, Gonzalez Pires and Petzela are both both decent prospects in that respect, just as long as they don't have that pressure heaped on their shoulders, which, because well, they're centre-backs... Also, they'll, they'll, they'll leave really quickly. I mean, when they get fit, well, Gonzalez Pires is fit, obviously, but, but when Petzela, who I thought was really impressed when he got into the first team... It took a long time, and there's, mm. there's a bit of a situation there. You want to kind of wonder why yeah. such a talented young young player doesn't doesn't get to play in the first team. Yeah. Something was clearly up, but um, but he was excellent, and it's a real shame that, that he got injured. That said, it does mean he'll be at River a bit longer because I mean it was it was getting to the point where he was like he was off, he was yeah. going to leave in in this this transfer window coming up. And we mentioned the the injuries as well, so just really quickly before uh, I play Mystic Sam's theme music in, but we should mention that another reason that it's maybe a bit harsh to be sacking Matias Almeida is he's not exactly been lucky no I think I said that when we were talking about it yeah he's had all sorts of injuries mentioning mentioning Kohan again and the the, the preparado fisico um, possibly could be something to be honest 
I mean, it's, it's, it's all been anterior yeah, cruciate yeah. ligament injuries or, or knee ligament injuries. Yeah. Very, very similar ones well, to suffering. I, really, yeah, I don't know anything about that, to be honest. I'm not, I don't want to say anything, but it is, it's, it's very strange, and it's just one club as well. Kyan as well gave an interview a few weeks ago basically saying, you know, I've got to take some of the blame here, I guess, because the injuries are so similar. And yet nobody did anything about it. Printed in LA. Nobody does anything. Nobody says anything after that about it. But what, what would you want done about it? Say, yeah. No, some, uh, we'll, maybe they have changed. Yeah, some well. better, <laughs> some better physio and better physical preparation, so that players don't keep on injuring the the same the same part of the body. So you should be happy he's been kicked out then. Yeah. Which I'm assuming he has been with. Yeah, I'm not presuming. Yeah, maybe they just wanted to get rid of Gohan, but they had to get rid of. I made it to do it though. Yeah, they wanted to get rid of Gohan, and Gohan's price was you've got to sack Almeida as yeah, well, yeah. or I'm not going. Exactly. Um, that's it. It's the PF that holds all the, yeah. the part. That's it. So I'm going to play Mystic Sam's music now. Mystic Sam has been missing for the last couple of weeks because we completely forgot to do him. Um, I, I forgot to turn into him, I should say. Um, so I'm going to play that now and I'll be back after this lovely theme music with my predictions for this coming weekend. San Lorenzo are at home in a Clásico against Independiente and I'm going for San Lorenzo to win that uh, which is a big relegation clash of course I think that Boca will win away to Arsenal de Sarandí Godoy Cruz I'm saying I'm going to get Martin Palermo off to a good start by beating Quilmes at home I think Colón versus Argentinos is going to be a draw and probably the ultimate match to not bother watching this weekend Colón have won one in eight Argentinos have won one in the last ten so really stay clear of that one um, Racing I think are going to be all boys in El Cilindro Newell's old boys to be held by Atletico Rafaela to a draw Vélez uh, to win fairly easily against Dunion as we've already hinted earlier on Belgrano and Tigre to draw Lanús to beat River um, on Sunday afternoon and take the title race to the last day and Estudiantes to beat San Martín de San Juan those are your predictions bet your mortgage on those uh, if you lose your mortgage do not complain to Handapod we can't we, be um, liable I'm going to put in a request here for the Handapod official Twitter pay uh, Twitter account yeah, to, to tweet your your strike rate every week oh, ah, yeah. my strike rate last week although we didn't, obviously I didn't do Mystic Sam last week but my um, strike rate for my Hong Kong predictions last week which of course include high and low goals and, and kind of stuff rather than just results uh, I managed to get 3 out of 10 wow so I'm not, not <laughs> proud of that but it did happen and he gets um, paid for this mean, meanwhile in my predict the score Premier League league that I'm, I've, I've joined I'm second with 98 points just 3 points off the lead uh, wow. which goes to show what I've always said which is that Argentina is much harder to predict than, than, than the English league that's um, one conclusion we can draw from <laughs> it's certainly one conclusion yeah I think the only conclusion, really. Really. Yes, yes, um, any other issues to tie up? Is there anything we've forgotten to mention so far? For some reason, we've got BBC World News on while we're recording this, and, and uh, Big Phil Scolari's unveiling as Brazil manager has just been shown, and that's made me think that we've forgotten somebody, but I don't think we have. I think this is stuff that we would It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost even, as if yeah. it was Argentine football, mm-hmm. though. Um, but we shall see we'll, we'll, we'll be back on hopefully we're going to be able to record on Monday night um, 
before I get on that plane to Europe and we'll be able to discuss the weekend's matches including Ramon Diaz okay not managerial debut but his unveiling at River Plate in front of an emotional crowd no doubt and potentially Velez Sarsfield's title win um, so as Joel just Sorry. mutes his, his telephone for the last 10 seconds of the, <laughs> of the podcast uh, it's, it's goodbye from Mr Richards Sorry about that and goodbye uh, Thank you for joining us again uh, Goodbye to uh, from English Dan Goodbye and welcome back and goodbye from me. Goodbye.